0: Father, we, uh, we love you, and we thank you for bringing us to this place. We thank you for the time that we've spent this week with friends and family in the season celebration of your birth. We, uh, we ask you to fill this room with your spirit, to fill each and every one of our hearts, that uh, your word may speak to us, may dwell within us. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. We will be reading from Luke 2, verses 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first, because they assumed that he was with friends among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started to look for him among the relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they discovered, they finally discovered him. He was in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, discussing deep questions with them. And all who had heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. You should have known that I would be in my father's house. But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them, was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. So Jesus grew both in height and in wisdom. And he was loved by God and by all who knew him. These are the words of the Lord. When I... Uh, when I volunteered to preach this week, I was really excited about the scripture that I got. The, uh, the concept that's behind the scripture that we'll be talking about today is something that's been absolutely foundational to the way that I've lived my life over the last four and a half years. It's, it's changed the way that I look at the world and it's changed the way that I look at the people that are in my life. So that's really cool, but then when I realized that this is that dear to me and that I needed to talk about it in a very short amount of time, it started to worry me a little bit. We, uh, this concept, it's called sonship. Um, it's something that's come from a few different teachers that we've, that we've drawn it from, but it's something that we talk about, talk about with the leadership here in the church over and over and over. If you come into one of our conversations, I almost guarantee that at some point in the conversation we've talked about this. Um, When we did, there's a leadership class that we do on Thursday nights that David Magnitsky teaches it. And uh, this last semester we went through this concept and it took us six, six or seven weeks. And those nights we do it for an hour and a half to two hours. So it's a a big concept, and it's a concept that we all find really dear to our hearts. Um, When I was talking with Scott Hare about this scripture, who's the pastor up at Riverside, he said something that really stuck with me. It uh, really kind of distills everything that that this passage says to me. He said that in this passage, we begin to see Jesus' identity really begin to explode. We see that he is, of course... At 12 years old, filled with wisdom. It's really amazing that he can sit in the temple with the teachers of the law there, which these would have been the best of the best of the teachers. He's able to sit there at their feet, and his understanding, his wisdom, and his questions amaze them. So you see that there's something special about the child already. Something that's interesting to me though is that in order for him to be sitting there with the temple at the temple with the teachers Is that he had to essentially? desert his family It's interesting to think about when you have commands that say honor your mother and father That there's these promises attached to that commandment. That's the only commandment with a promise so it would appear that he's not really doing that and by the end of the verse, though, in the end of the passage, we see that Jesus leaves with them, goes back to Nazareth, and is submissive to them. I think in this passage that we see growth in Jesus already. Absolutely, he's already perfect, but we see him grow in that perfection. To kind of get us started on this topic of sonship, I want to tell you a little bit about who I am and where I've been and what brings me eventually to the stage. My adolescence and my young adulthood were filled with anger, um, rage, depression, and many, many other things that, that you don't want to be involved with. My goal in life um, was absolutely to serve myself. I wanted to do anything that I wanted to do, and I wanted to do it when I wanted to do it. It left me in some very dark, dark places mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. I ended up doing things I shouldn't do, playing with substances that I shouldn't play with. Um, Essentially just letting myself dig this pit of despair and letting myself, just burying myself in it. I became quite an anti-evangelist. I looked at any kind of authority figure, and I did anything that I possibly could to bring that authority authority figure lower. I would seek out and try to find people that looked like they were just a little bit vulnerable, and I would try to drag them into these pits with me. I really, really wasn't a pleasant person to be around. Fortunately, right before my 25th birthday, Jesus uh, finally really made himself known in my life. He uh, absolutely transformed it in such a short period of time. And I bless God that this happened. Um, At the time, I was working at USAA, which is a bank here in San Antonio. There was a man that worked there with me. His name was Charlie. And Charlie, when I started working at USAA, became really my first mentor in this business world. He'd show me the ropes of what I'm supposed to do, how to get along in the business world, how to impress my bosses. You know, just the basic stuff. He was a fantastic mentor in that way. And when I finally allowed Jesus to start working into my life, uh, Charlie really became my first spiritual father. He was an amazing man that poured out nothing but love. Nothing but love into me. He, he, he blessed me in so many ways that it's hard to think about and not get emotional. To this day, I love this man with such a, I, I just, I don't even know how to explain it. I love this man. Because of the way that uh, Charlie took care of me. the way that he fathered me, I ended up stepping into this concept of sonship before I even knew what it was about. I decided that because of the things that Charlie is pouring out into me that I wanted to then pour into his life. I began to submit myself to him in, in ways that I'd never done so with authority figures in the past. If he needed something done at work, I made sure it was done. I made sure it was done well. If he needed something done at his house, if he needed lawn mowing or anything like that, house sitting, then I made sure that it was taken care of. Um, he was, at the time, helping a, another church be planted, and so I decided I was going to come help that church be planted, just because I wanted to do what my father wanted me to do, essentially. Eventually, Charlie uh, recommended that I go try a church called Riverside. Uh, Charlie had met Scott on Chrysalis flights. And he thought that Scott's personality and my personality would mesh well. So he said, I think you should go try this church. So I went out there. And I absolutely knew that I had found a home. Shortly after that, I decided that it was time for me to be baptized. I wanted to be baptized. And before you're baptized out at Riverside, Scott interviews you. He has a one-on-one meeting with you. So this was my first real chance to get to know Scott. And we sat and talked for about an hour and a half towards the end of the time he said you seem like you're a little bit of a spontaneous person what are you doing in six weeks and i said i don't know it's six weeks away i don't do that and he goes well we're going to israel and we're going to turkey and i would love it if you would come along and that was really cool i just met this guy and he decided that he wanted to invite me along on this trip i uh I didn't know if I could do it though. I didn't know if I had vacation days for it. I knew I didn't have money for it, so I submitted it to prayer. I asked people to pray about it. I prayed about it. I, I went and bought a lotto ticket hoping I'd win so I could get the money <laughs> to go on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so eventually I found out it was the very last day that I had to register this day. And if I didn't, I wouldn't get on this trip. Um, So Charlie, the man at USAA that had been such an amazing father to me, calls me on this last day. And he says, if you can get half of it, I'll pay for half your trip. And so he paid for half my trip. Um, my, My own father ended up paying the other half. It was on this trip to Israel that I really first began to get a language around this idea of sonship. Ray Vanderland, who leads these trips, would, uh, he describes it in the context of a first century rabbi with their disciple. And he defines a disciple as somebody that strives every single day continually to become more and more like their rabbi in that rabbi's walk with God. Ray would tell you that you are never to live without a rabbi, and that you are never to die without a disciple. It's this kind of relationship that RVL really, really wants to get people involved in. So, coming back from that trip, I asked Scott if he would begin to disciple me. And from that time, he and I have met weekly. Um, We've done life together as much as we can. I've tried to submit myself to him in the same way that I submitted myself to Charlie. And through that, um, blessings have come. When the missions coordinator position here at the church opened up, Scott put my name in the hat. And I came and did all the interviewing process and Bless God, I got the job. And so that brings me here. There is so much that I've learned in submitting myself to the men and women that have been placed in authority around me. They pour out nothing but inheritance. They pour out nothing but identity. They help me to discern my calling. They help me to discern really who I am. Without these men and women, that never would have happened. There's a guy named Jack Frost who, unfortunately, died a couple years ago, but he's one of the people that really brought this teaching in a way that made it digestible to the people around here. He's somebody that, that we really love. He has a teaching series on disc that he talks about sonship for seven CDs, and he's got a book on it, and it's just amazing. I want to read you his definition of sonship. Um, before I do, when I say sonship... Um, I am absolutely not precluding daughterhood as well. I say sonship because it's the way that Jack Frost talks about it. And Jack has his nice little joke about it. He says, if you ladies really don't like us calling it sonship, we apologize. But for all of eternity, all of us men are going to be known as the bride of Christ. So you're going to be all right. (laughs) So Jack Frost defines sonship as... A heart that feels at rest and secure in God's love. It believes it belongs. It is free from shame and self-condemnation. It walks in honor toward all people. And it is willing to humble itself before man and God. It is subject to God's mission to experience his love and to give it away. Our identity as Christians comes in this the fact that we are children of God should be the foundation for everything else that we do. It is certainly not where it ends. What it means to be a child is that we're co-heirs with Christ into the kingdom of God. We have resources and things available to us that we wouldn't even dream about if it weren't true. One of the interesting things that, that I've learned through this, and because of my past and the way that I would deal, author, deal with authority then, what really surprised me is that I now see how God places authority figures in our lives. That he has given the leaders around here a vision and a mission. What being a son to God means, means is that you want to be on God's mission. That you want to do your father's mission. The way that the father here has done that mission or is, is, is fulfilling that mission is that he places leaders over us. People like David McNitsky. People like Michael Crocker. People like Will Mitchell. Um, These people, he is anointed and he is appointed to be in this place. These are men that have a vision that God has given them. Absolutely. And if I want to be on my father's mission, on God's mission, then I need to begin to realize that it's their mission that I need to be under. That it's submission to these men and women that are in authority here in the church. That's the way that I get to advance this kingdom of heaven. Ways to do that. Um, The best way to become a son or daughter to somebody in authority is just to ask them what you can do for them. Um, For example, with Michael, this coming weekend, um, next Friday, I know many of us will probably be watching the Cotton Bowl, but if you're not into football, then we are starting the worship lab experience here at uh, New Heights in the CLC. It starts at 7 o'clock on Friday, and I know that Michael would absolutely love to see as many faces there as he possibly can see. The whole idea behind this worship experience is that we would learn what it means to worship in freedom. So if you have ways that you can bring freedom into this place for this experience, we would love to see them. If you're an artist, bring a canvas and paint. If you're a dancer, bring whatever you need to bring to dance and dance there are, if you're a teacher, I know that Michael wants to raise up other teachers. So if you have a desire to be up here on the stage, by all means, come and, and try it. So we get back to Jesus. Jesus, in the beginning of this verse, it seems like somehow dishonors his parents. You can argue about that one way or the other. Jesus is, of course, sinless. We know that. So we know that there's something here. He knows that he is after his father's mission. When his parents question about it, he says, did you not know that I'd be in my father's house? Or in other translations, it says, did you not know that I'd be about my father's business? He knows that he's on God's mission. I think what he realizes here in this passage, though, is that being a son to God also means being a son to his authorities here. Specifically, obviously, his parents. He went back to Nazareth. He was submissive and obedient to his parents. So if you have not come into the security of knowing that you're a son or a daughter of God, I pray that you would. It is, like I said, something that has absolutely changed the way that I live. It has brought nothing but blessing upon blessing and blessing into my life. If you uh, are interested in knowing more and learning more about this, like I said, this is something we talk about constantly. Uh, come and ask us. Come and ask me, Daryl, Michael, any one of us. David, we'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love to let you borrow the books or the CD series or anything like that. But I pray that you really would just know that you were secure That you are a child, that you are a son and a daughter. I think that is the most important part of this. It's just that you realize that your daddy loves you. That he looks on you and he likes what he sees. Please pray with me. Holy Father, we thank you for being exactly that, our Father. We ask you to Instill within us the identity of son and the identity of daughter. That we would come to realize what those blessings really mean. That we would see that you have an inheritance for us. That you want nothing more than to pour that inheritance out. We love you, Daddy. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.